Welcome to the Know It Some podcast, bringing you the widest variety of conversational interviews for a well-rounded perspective on life. Because while it's true, nobody likes a know-it-all, it's also good to know it some. Here's your host, Steve Platt. That's right. Welcome back to the Know It Some podcast. I'm your host, Steve Platt. And let me just start by saying thank you so much to everybody who has reached out over the last several months. It feels great to be back. Had some things go on with our personal life and family. We had some surgeries and ER visits. Uh, some revelations that were kind of mind-blowing, which you, if you listen through the entire episode today, you'll hear some of that. Uh, in my day job, in my personal life, got a promotion, very busy with that. And then, of course, there have been a lot of changes with the Roll Up Network, a lot of things going on with the folks that help us to schedule guests and interviews. And so just a very, very busy first quarter of 2022 that was a little bit unexpected. A lot of it was kind of out of the blue, out of left field. And so it took away from what we wanted to do with this show in terms of moving it to video. We still intend to do that. We still intend to change the recording uh, service that we use so that the audio is crisper and we get less of those hiccups that you saw in season one. So that is still on the horizon. We're working out some final details on that. But what we do want to do this season is switch up the format just a little bit. Want to make things a little more conversational and much more interactive with the listeners. Open to all ideas on how to do that. I will do the best that I can to continue to bring you interesting stories. I'm not very interesting, but the people we've brought on are great. Their stories are incredible. And then the past and the journeys that they've taken to do the amazing things that they've done are not always easy. And that that's something that I really wanted to bring out. And I hope I did a decent job in season one is if you're out there and you're struggling and you're still trying to find your way and you hear from these people who went through some of those same struggles and still had that journey right before they got to where they are today. In season two, we will bring you a lot of interesting guests, but I want to kind of widen the variety that we bring you, bring you people from backgrounds that maybe you didn't hear from in the first season. Please reach out to me if you have any suggestions whatsoever, because I'll admit a lot of season one, right, came from my personal circle of friends, family, coworkers, etc. So a lot of it was Floridians, right? A lot of them were in the sports or entertainment world, right? You heard a lot of interviews from kind of the same theme of people, and we want to branch out a little bit more in season two. We'll still bring you comedians, we'll still bring you athletes, we'll still bring you, you know, people in entertainment, but we we really want to kind of get the everyman vibe back to this show as well. So, you know, f- feel free to send me an email. We are knowitsomepod at gmail.com or direct message us all over social media. We are at knowitsomepod. Follow us, like us, share our posts. We're going to regrow this thing a little bit more organically going forward. It's been a lot of fun, guys. And all I can say to you as the fans is thank you because had you not reached out and, and told us how much the show meant to you and asked us to bring it back, uh, I don't know that we would have done so. You know, quite frankly, I, I felt like maybe it had run its course a little bit, uh, but there's been just an outpouring of support and a groundswell of of requests to bring back these interviews to your Tuesday mornings. So we will do that starting today. We'll bring you a new interview every Tuesday morning for as long as we can do so. And uh, I just thank you for welcoming us into your homes, into your cars, into your living rooms. This week's guest was a no-brainer for me to start off season two. Honestly, I really enjoyed this interview and getting to know our guest this week. His name's Hayden Adcock. He does all the marketing 
Uh, he does social media. He does podcasting. He does all sorts of things for the Yee Yee brand. It's a lifestyle brand that comes to you from country artist Granger Smith. You might have heard his songs, you know, My Backroad Song or Happens Like That. Incredible country artist that he works for. Uh, he also has an alter ego, this country artist. He has a Earl Dibbles Jr. You might know him from that. So the Yee Yee brand is uh, one that you need to get familiar with if you haven't already. Hayden does a wonderful job of marketing that brand. And he's come on to talk a little bit about that, how he got to know the Smiths, and how he got into that role. Uh, but then we also reveal a little something in the interview that might blow your mind, might shock you. Uh, definitely something you'll only hear on the Know It Some podcast. So make sure you listen through the entire interview. And then give Hayden a follow. Get yourself some Yee Yee merchandise. You will not regret it, folks. Let's just get into the heart of this interview. Let's start Season 2 of Know It Some Pod. Thank you so much for the support. And welcome, my friend, Hayden Adcock. You know, and then he got hired. And, of course, there was a little bit of hype. But then things, you know, quickly <laughs> spiraled. Um, I've never seen something go up in flames so fast in one season. And, and by that, I mean his entire reputation. It was incredible to watch. I don't know how you felt about it being a Florida fan, but as a, as an innocent bystander that had, that does not care about the Jacksonville Jaguars and does not care about, uh, yeah, Florida football or urban Meyer. I thought that it was so funny to watch. (laughs) Well, okay. So Florida fans have a very weird relationship with urban Meyer because we were grateful for the two championships that he gave us. Right. And sure. for the things that he did while he was here, some great recruiting classes, things of that nature. But the way in which he left did not sit well with a lot of Florida fans because it was billed as, hey, I need to take time off for my health and for my right. family. And then almost immediately he was in Bristol, Connecticut, sitting behind an ESPN desk. So it's like, well, you know, that's not quite time off. So I don't know. It, there was there was a lot going on there. Uh, we all still feel really weird about it, but like we feel a lot better about hating him now considering all this stuff has come out. Yeah. Um, and a lot of Florida fans are Jacksonville Jaguar fans. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of overlap there. Um, just depends on, on where you came from in the right. state because university of Florida pulls from, uh, you know, folks from the Tampa Bay area, from Miami, from the panhandle. And of course, you know, from, from Jacksonville and the surrounding areas. So it just depends on where you're from. You know, I, I obviously didn't grow up a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. Um, you know, I, uh, my dad being from Dallas and, and me being from Miami, right? Like those were the two teams I followed and growing up in the nineties, more so the Cowboys than the dolphins. Right. So, but yeah, I, uh, I bandwagoned over now that I live in the Tampa Bay area. I am, I am a, a full on bucks fan. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. So last thing I will say and yeah. this is that no one, the, the like all Americans all time of faking injuries for sympathy or faking health issues is Urban Meyer and Coach K. Like, oh yeah, all time oh, yeah. they both they both they're sick or they're hurting or they want to focus on family whenever it's perfect for them. And <laughs> I hate I hate Coach K with a passion. Like anyone that knows me, whenever he was doing his whole goodbye tour that he like made all about himself and not about the players or the team this year. I was just hoping every round that they would lose. And it was like this, it was kind of serendipity because then they beat Texas tech, which is my team. And I really right. felt like the tech team this year could have gone. Well, you had a good way. year a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We've had a great program and uh, we've just had a, a very up and down year with losing our coach uh, in the office, yeah. Texas, which is a big deal. But yeah, whenever it was weird because I was like, okay, 
do I want him to lose first round, like huge upset, two versus a 15 seed, or do I want him to get really, really far and then absolute like have it within grasp and then just lose it? And <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted. And then whenever I saw them lose, it was just and to North Carolina, their arrival, it was perfect. It was yeah. like the cherry on top. And then I saw he lost the, to them their their last home game, I think. Yeah, yeah got, blo- got blown out. Like classic Coach K doesn't step up whenever he's needed. And then it was perfect. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but they actually had some type of ceremony and they gave him a dog, which first of all, worst, <laughs> gift, worst gift of all time. Imagine giving <laughs> someone a gift and it's like, hey, you have to Here's take a chore. Of- yeah, here's yeah. a chore for the next 15 years. And I don't even know if you wanted this dog. And second of all, guaranteed I feel- heartbreak in about 15 years as well, too. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, I actually don't mind that since it's Coach K. Uh, yeah. Any, any more heartbreak <laughs> I can give him. Then, and also, it's like, dude, that poor dog. I mean, that poor yeah. dog, he has to be owned by Coach K. And everyone's going to not hear about Coach K for the foreseeable future. That dog has to see him every day. I would not right. wish that upon any cute pupper out there <laughs> yeah yeah i uh man so now that i know you feel that way I'm, I'm sure you have thoughts about all sorts of folks like grayson allen and others and oh yeah uh, yeah yeah look uh i'm not i'm not a duke fan i think uh duke is is like uh i don't know like the the yankees of uh college basketball like people who don't have a team or whatever or their school's basketball program is not that great they end up becoming duke fans i i tease a lot of uh our rivals here in Florida, the the Seminole fans that I'm friends with, a lot of them are Duke basketball fans, and um, which has never made any sense to me. But they are, and they're and, also Yankee fans, and uh, the Dodgers when the Dodgers are good, and you know, yeah, that- oh yeah, yeah, you know how that goes, um, yeah. you know, and there there's certain teams like that. I think here in the Tampa Bay area, we're getting a lot of bandwagoners. I'm I'm one of them for the Bucks, but even the Lightning are getting bandwagon fans from a, a, around the state. I, I several of my friends in South Florida who used to be Panthers fans are now Lightning fans. It doesn't make any sense. Good, they're both good. Uh, the Florida Panthers are typically good. Yeah, we've had some good players over the years. Uh, in the '90s, I think we had Pavel Bure play for us. I remember him, but we haven't really won uh, Stanley Cups like uh, the Lightning have, right? right? And so uh, I think there's some bandwagoning coming this way, which, you know, whatever. I, I'm not the best to speak about hockey, to be truthful. Either. I, I, I like watching it here and there, but I don't know that much. I just looked up and the, the Panthers are actually have a much better record than the Lightning this year. But I know the Lightning just won the Stanley Cup. So that's yeah. Defend, defending champs. Let me get a formal intro in where welcome to the podcast. Hey, Hayden, welcome to the Know It Some podcast. Thanks for being here. What's up? Thanks for having me on, man. It's great having you on. Definitely want to share with the listeners a little bit about what you do and and then uh, how we got connected. Thinking about the best way to start this and going through like what you do and and the stuff that you've done for Yee and Yee Apparel and and Granger and everything. And I I don't think I can start with like how you got connected with them without first explaining like what Yee is and how that came about. and so, you know, I'm sure the listeners have heard of Granger Smith, um, but if you could just share a little bit about how Yee Yee as a brand um, kind of came into existence. Yeah, man. Um, so Yee Yee was kind of so so backtracking a little bit. So sure. I worked for uh, Granger Smith directly. So like Granger um, 
had a video. He used to do this thing where he wasn't getting much love from uh, country music, whether it be radio stations or promoters or just anything. And this is probably, this is 2000, around 2011, 2012. Um, gotcha. he, ha- he used to make just a bunch of funny videos. Uh, and w- they do some like alter egos and some different things like that. Nothing really took off, but they were just having a good time. And they did one that uh, his name was Earl Dibbles Jr., and they made a video and put it on YouTube. And it was basically like this classic country boy that lives in a rural town uh, is really disconnected with society. And that's OK with him. He's just a hard worker, uh, that type of person. Probably right. if you're listening to this, probably everyone knows someone. Um, <laughs> and so he in the video, just something random that he yelled out was yee yee. And it's, it's said like this, yee yee like that kind of like a <laughs> kind of like a rally cry right and so and so that uh took off really and that video took off as a whole i i was at the time in high school i was a senior in high school whenever that video was going around uh it's been about 10 years now and it was really taking off and granger was still doing his shows you know still doing everything normal and this earl dibbles is dressed completely different um because right, it's kind of like a character right like almost yeah. uh, accentuating some some uh stereotypes a little bit yeah totally totally and it, it's funny because it was actually the guys that made it so granger's the singer he's the oldest brother the middle brother is tyler who is his manager has been with him forever and then parker who's my age and is how i know the smith family um, gotcha. we were in we were in high school at the time and now he's he is leads yee yee apparel um but at the time he was just you know the brother and so they made this video and it was actually kind of a uh, a blend of like someone that they a few different people that they knew and so they kind of blended it into this character and that was what earl dibbles was so then granger's playing shows doing that whole thing and people were starting to come out to shows because of this earl dibbles character but Earl didn't have any music like Granger got up there, did his 75, 90 minute set and got off stage just like he normally would. Mm-hmm. And someone came up to him at a show and was was like, you got to you got to somehow figure out how to get this guy integrated, blah, blah. And then I think it clicked. And so they did a song called the Country Boy song. Yep. Um, then that one really, really took off. And so all of this, we, they were making different shirts and hilarious sayings that we probably couldn't. <laughs> anymore like there and, and our our brand has certainly transitioned but there were old shirts that were like uh because floating the river is huge in texas and there were shirts that said uh floating the river and killing livers or something like that and then uh <laughs> back then obama was in office and can't ban these guns and it had arrows <laughs> pointing out to the to your biceps there were all kinds of really funny ones. real real country boy stuff <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and people were eating it eating it up at some point though it was like, do we want to create a brand that will be here for our kids to take over one day? Or do we want to create something that we can make some really funny, some funny content off of, sure, and make some hilarious shirts. But how long are people going to buy like these graphic tees? And so um, in 2015, this is still all before I, I came on. I came on in early 2018. Um, but in 2015, Parker, the youngest brother, graduated mm-hmm. college around this time. He, he got brought onto the team to run the apparel. And it kind of transitioned from just a merch brand. Like you would see any musician have at their shows. And, you know, it's just the boring stuff where it says like Granger Smith or, you know, uh, Florida Georgia Line or Kane Brown or whatever. It just says the name. 
it transitioned to its own brand. And so that was whenever it really took off. And so it's crazy. Now we we're sitting here in 2022. We, uh, we have, I mean, we've grown exponentially. We're in a, we're on a farm uh, about 30 minutes North of Austin in Georgetown, Texas, uh, 90 acres. We have a big warehouse. We ship everything from here. We, we have about, we have eight full-time employees, but then we, you know, seasonal shippers. It's really important for us to not right. outsource shipping for us to do it. So that customer has that, that, uh, connection to the brand and we pack every single order. So seasonal we'll have anywhere from, you know, five to sometimes 15 shippers. And now we do everything from the stuff that got us here, hats, shirts, hoodies, et cetera. But now we do a lot more, um, like, built out products, whether it be really, really well done, heavy jackets. Uh, we just released jerky last year, which was a huge project for us. And that's really crushing. Uh, currently we're working on like iced coffee and just a lot of different things. So it's just really taken over the last, really the last five or six years, it's gone from just a merch brand that any other artist could have to a lifestyle brand that's bringing in, we have customers that don't even know who Granger or, or, or Earl is. And that's awesome to me as a marketer because I run all the marketing here. And that's awesome because we're bringing in different people to the brand that, um, that, that maybe at one point, you know, I guess what I'm trying to say is at one point we were really dependent on Granger and we still are. I mean, he's still the figurehead of our business, but now that's how you grow as a brand whenever you're getting so big that people don't even know about Granger or Earl or anything like that. And we're, we're building this brand that can stand on its, on its own, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's taking on a life of its own in, in a way. And it reminds me a lot, if you'll humor me, because um, it's a, a little bit of a jump or, or stretch, but it reminds me a lot of what I saw in hip hop and R&B with people like, you know, Diddy doing things like Sean John. Um, you know, Jay-Z has a business empire. Yeah, I think he even has Cologne that's marketed, um, you know, under his his uh, Rockefeller kind of brand, right? So when you get into being more than just a musician and more than just a performer and you start developing a brand of your own, I mean, that's really forward thinking on Granger's part. I don't know that I see a lot of that in country music, uh, you know, and, and you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he's really kind of a trailblazer in this kind of a space, creating a brand like you. No, you're totally right. And, and country music just as a whole has always been um, kind of behind. Like you and I probably listen to Spotify every day, whereas a lot of people in middle of America that listen to country music, they still get in the car, they turn on the radio, they go home, they're listening to the radio um, all the time. Like a lot of people just do it on their drives, if at all. Whereas the, the average country music fan, they may be listening to country music at the house, you know, not just while they're driving. So yeah, really terrestrial radio, like not, not even XM all the time, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah. Old, old school AF, AM, FM stations. Right. Exactly. And that we definitely look at different people, whatever, you know, genre or not even music. I mean, different people that have done that. What one person that's really done it. I don't know if you call them country, but um, someone that we look at that we're actually connected with their team and they've been really great to us as mentors, but uh, Jimmy Buffett, I mean, Marguerite yep. is there, there are millions of Margaritaville blenders out there that I would say that half the people don't even know what that is. But right, that's an excellent example, really. Um, you know, he's got restaurants and, yeah, and multiple restaurants, course. Margaritavilles and cheeseburger and paradises and all sorts of stuff. Exactly, exactly. So that's been someone that we've really looked at. Um, it's kind of blazing. We're, you know, we're not doing anything different. We're just really taking advantage of 
of low hanging fruit. And they're like, he has done that super well. Um, and it's that, like I said, we got connected with their team about a year or two ago, and that's been a really great connection. Um, the person that we talked to has literally been with Jimmy since day one, and he's helped build out a lot of that. So uh, definitely a lot of mentorship and, and guidance there. That's phenomenal. And that's the, I mean, really, I, I wish I would have thought of it myself. That's the perfect person to latch on to in terms of, you know, seeking advice, bouncing ideas off of. L- let me ask you, how did you get connected with uh, the Smith family? Yeah, so Parker and I went to high school together. He was from the Dallas area and they always had land because uh, I grew up very rural in the, uh, the middle of Texas, town of about 3,500. And so they always had a like land out there and they always talk, I guess his family always talked about moving out there. So he moved out. They, they finally took the leap and moved out there between sophomore and junior year, I believe. And so then Parker and I became friends. And so we always kept up and actually it's kind of cool because uh, Tyler, the middle brother was kind of a kid from Clifton, Texas, middle of nowhere is never going to dream of working in the music industry. But whenever I met Tyler, I kind of realized that, I could do that. And I always had a passion for music and different things like that. So straight out of college, that's what I did. Um, I was strictly music industry and I did some different jobs. I was mainly working with artists, booking um, shows and different stuff like that. I worked for a couple different companies, but whenever I took the job here, even though someone that doesn't know any better, they may think, Oh, you're working in the music industry still. Not necessarily. My job at Yee Yee is mainly because there's two sides of it. There's Granger and the music and the touring and all of that good stuff. And then there's Yee Yee, which is really e-commerce. Um, that's I would say that 80% of my job is e-commerce and, and I do the marketing for that. So whenever I came over here, it was kind of, kind of a little bit scary because I was getting out of the music industry and it's ended up being great because... We, we are somewhat, you know, we've known the Smith family for a while. We're family friends. And then Parker and I were, were really close all throughout high school and then afterwards. So I've kind of gotten my fix here because I help with Granger's management. Um, and so I would say about 15 to 20 percent of my job is on a daily basis is Granger touring and different stuff like that. And then 80 percent of it is e-commerce, which I've really come to love. And I love um, like the psychology of, of e-commerce and figuring out what makes people tick and and uh, what makes people want to buy certain things and different stuff like that. So I feel like I'm in a really good spot getting that music industry itch that I still have every once in a while. And then also doing something that I think that I'm probably better at is the marketing and e-commerce side um, than I am just strictly music industry. Right. And then you're set up right outside of Austin. um, And a lot of that takes place there. But have you hit the road with uh, Granger before and, and gone to some of these venues that he's traveled to? Yeah, man, it's a perfect setup because like I, I, I'm nine to five job like here uh, in the office. But then every once in a while, I'll go out on the road whenever there's a there's a short run or something, because I'm I'm definitely not a road warrior. I don't like <laughs> all the time. I don't know how those guys do it. But well, he's been in out before. Do yeah. what? I said he's been international before. He's he's gone overseas. So, yeah, yeah. And that's a whole different travel setup, obviously. But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's perfect because I'll jump out on the road for five or six days and it's really fun and fulfilling and and uh it's great whenever i'm out on the road because i don't necessarily have a job i just wake up and kind of just get on my laptop and start working I, while the other guys are like loading in the venue or loading out but it's really cool too because you can get behind a computer and get so into numbers and and our sales and all this different stuff and really forget about the person on the other side and right. 
you get to see them when we go out to shows and they're and it's the most fulfilling thing in the world to have worked hard on a product from conception to releasing to marketing it and then like i'll be out at a show and i see a guy that that bought and we just released it two weeks ago so i know he just bought that and what's really cool about our fan base i mean they're the most I would say that they're the most passionate and loyal fan base of any country music artist that I've seen. Um, but what's really cool is they're very, they're very like middle, the, the typical person is middle class. They grew up exactly like I did. And I know how much $1, $10, $50 means to them. Like it's that they worked hard for that money mm-hmm. more than, you know, there's, there's brands out there that are just marketing to upper class and they're luxury brands. And that's great. But a lot of those people have expendable income. These folks grew up exactly like I did and most all of us in this office did. And it's it means more whenever you know that that person right there wearing that shirt and hat spent his hard-earned money on something that we made. And we never, ever, ever take that lightly. And that's always a big deal to us, no matter if you've purchased from us 100 times and spent a million dollars with us or if you've purchased with us one time and you bought one $5 sticker. You know, that's important to us. And we don't take it lightly that that people are spending their hard-earned money on what we're creating. Well, there's a reason why they're spending their hard-earned money on what you're creating because, you know, I've taken a look at it. I love the logo, but the the apparel and, and all the products that you are putting out there are high quality. Like you said, it's not your standard back of the uh, back of the theater merch that you'll see some uh, musicians and, and artists uh, put out there. Like this is this is a whole different thing. I, I don't really know what to compare it to, to be truthful, but it is uh if you want something other than your typical bass pro shop gear right and you want something that's that's unique and and is going to look good like you need to check out the yee Yee apparel stuff and i definitely want you to to be able to plug that at the end of this episode but uh, i i just gotta know like the from from inception to to where you are now i mean that that has to be quite a journey what were some of like the hiccups some of the challenges that presented itself as you were building this out because i i would imagine you know, you didn't always have that roadmap. You didn't always have that connection to Margaritaville. So, you know, I'm I'm guessing that this was a a bit of a journey where there's some hiccups, where there's some things that some areas that maybe you guys started to move into and then decided, you know, that's not a good fit and and backed out of, um, you know, what was kind of the journey from, from start to, to where you are now? Yeah, that's a great question because there's always going to be hiccups. You know, we, we laugh all the time about how, um, you know, like we're doing jerky right now and that's been great for us. But like Jack, you can look at Jack links all day and say, man, I'd love to be there, but they have issues too. It's different types of issues, but everyone's always going to have different, different things going on. Um, yeah. A lot of it. And, and a lot of it has just really been figuring out as we go. Um, I would say that like, even right now we're in a hiccup because they're like, I, I won't share revenue numbers, but yeah. they're for any e-commerce company, like any, not anyone, but, there is the 0.1% that can get to a certain uh, revenue number and we're there. But to get from that to like the next big number is, is like the difference between this, uh, this brand is here for, you know, the next 10 to 20 years and then fizzles out. It's the brand, it's the difference between that or um, like I said earlier, having something that our kids can take over and that they can work at and that, you know, that we can create lasting. So, I mean, <clears throat> that's always interesting. The marketing side of things right now is like every, like Facebook, all, all the different socials are just changing, ever changing. Um, 
without getting too into the weeds, we got our Facebook ad account, which had like everything, a lot of things that I've created and built and spent countless hours over. We got that uh, taken down about six months ago with no right. reason. We did. We're very careful because our brand is very conservative and patriotic. We're very careful to play within the parameters and not piss off those the big shout out to Zuckerberg for yeah that's great yeah hey Mark if you're listening please can you figure out our Facebook ad account (laughs) that's that's um you know it's funny you say that so I don't have uh executive board uh privileges or anything with Facebook but I I know a few people over there so I'll go ahead and see what I can do to to figure this one out at least for you it couldn't hurt it's just been one it's sometimes it's one thing after another but I, I remind myself to be grateful I mean like I, I love where I work and I love who I work with. And so it's, it's important to, to always remember that. But I mean, like one, one thing that we, that we did, and it was a little bit before my time, I, I came on at the tail end, but whenever Parker, the youngest brother, that's my buddy was actually brought on. Ye apparel wasn't what it is now. It wasn't the monster that it is now. It was, he was brought on because we had just started Ye Ye energy and we were going after an energy drink and we were looking, we were going after retailers and different stuff like that. And that was probably to date our biggest hiccup, just transparently speaking, because um, I don't think, I think, like I said, it was before my time and right. we, we definitely did well with it, but it costs so much to ship because it's heavy. It's, it's liquid. Um, and we were really, we've, we've been very transparent with our customers about this. We were breaking even on it and yeah. um we were spending a lot of time on it and we had a lot of uh, retailers not wanting to carry it, not because of the taste, not because of the branding was incredible. It's still some of the best branding I've ever seen, but because um, it had a shotgun on it and which in retrospect, we probably should have known that that may have been a hurdle whenever we were building out the branding, but we were, I think the the problem was more the picture of the school that you had next to it than. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It was probably the 10 kids right after uh, (laughs) that happened. Yeah. Yeah, don't no, put that it, on the can. It was, it, it was. So, and and that was something that we had to really like look ourselves in the mirror and say, is this something that we want to do? And so, we we ended up pulling back, and there and we've never closed that door. That's still we have customers clamoring for it all the time. And so, uh, it's funny every once in a while there'll be like a little four pack uh, go on sale on eBay for like three hundred bucks, and and people will buy it for that much. And so they're still there's still some floating out there and that, and that could certainly be something that we do one day, but we're, we're, you know, jerky. It doesn't weigh that much. Um, right. it, that's been a great thing for us. And, and like I said, it's tough because we want to keep everything in house and ship everything here because we never want to lose, um, lose any like touch with our customers. We want to make sure that they feel that, that small family brand trust and that, that connection, no matter how big we get, but mm-hmm it can be tough whenever we're doing new products and, and like jerky, we're, we're trying, our goal is to get as big as we can e-commerce that we have, that retailers are hitting us up. Like we have to carry this. And so TBD, we just started that in October. So it's doing great now, but, but you know, we'll see. It, the smart thing is to understand where to direct your energy. Right. And it seems like you guys do a great job of that um, because you can only direct, you know, you can only diffuse that so much. And you have to know what just needs some tweaking and what really isn't worth the the time and energy to put into. And I've kind of like, you know, taking a look at what you guys offer, you guys have done a really good job of, you know, keeping the, the quality high and, and not trying to overstretch yourselves while still expanding and still offering more to the folks that are patrons of your brand. 
Uh, yeah. I heard something once that I really love repeating. I don't remember who told me this, so I can't give credit to anyone. But someone told me once, imagine you're in a house. Um, it's a fine house. You know, it's got everything that you need and, and that you could live there forever. And, and it's great. But then this 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 uh, you, you find potential in the lot next door. There's a there's a lot. It's a beautiful lot. It's perfect. And you want to build a big old house and you've, you've got all the means to do that. How do you build that next house next door? to be this beautiful house that prospers forever that, you know, you can have friends, family, whoever stay there, but then also not forget about that house that, that got you where you were. And so I think about that a lot. It's like, how do we become the biggest outdoor apparel company in the world, but not lose ourselves in that process? Yeah. And, and, and and yeah, the maintenance and upkeep of the house that you guys are already in. Right. Exactly. Um, I think that was a coach K quote, a coach K story. Get out of here. Get out of here. So look, man, first off, congratulations, you know, are in order here uh, on your engagement. You just recently got engaged. Uh, how, how was that moment? That, that had to have been a little uh, special. Were, were there butterflies there? What, what, what happened there? It's so funny, man. Uh, thank you, by the way. I was, uh, <laughs> I've thought of that like moment for, which I'm sure a lot of guys can say this that are listening right now. I, I've thought of that moment for so long and how it was going to go. And I didn't. It's funny. I, I, I thought of like people, people that knew like my buddies beforehand were like, what are you going to say? Do you know what you're going to say? I was like, no, I'm going to wing it because I wing everything in my life. And it's, I've, it seems to have worked so far. And as soon as I start like writing down what I'm going to say or whatever, I'm going to start getting nervous. And so we actually did it in San Diego. We both live in Texas, but she's from San Diego. And so we were quote unquote visiting family. And so we went out there and I was thinking I'll do it on the flight. Well, then we got our seats moved and we were actually sitting together on the flight. Like, <laughs> I was like, well, shit, I don't have a chance to do it now. And so, um, so anyways, I ended up like, she went on a walk that morning or she went to yoga that morning with her mom. And I was like, cool, now I'm going to like kind of write it down. And I ended up not writing down anything. I was like, I'm just going to go from the heart. And I was waiting all day for me to either like throw up or start crying. And I never did either of those things, which is awesome. It was whenever we pulled up to the spot that we did it at. And then we had this whole thing. Of course, her family was in on it. It just, it, I've wanted it for so long that it just felt perfect. And there were really no butterflies, maybe just a little bit. There was no nervousness. There was just more than anything. I was happy to get it done with so that I didn't slip up and say anything. <laughs> I, uh, I, I know exactly what you mean. And when, when that moment comes, like there's so many different things that'll, that'll trip you up uh, from what you originally had planned. I mean, you mentioned the seats getting changed on the plane uh, to make it about me. Like I always do. Um, <laughs> when I, when I proposed to my wife, it was at an outdoor concert and it was a little chilly at night once the sun went down, uh, which you don't really expect in, in Miami. And, um, and so I gave her my jacket cause she was cold and she asked for it. And uh, so oh, was, your, was the ring in the jacket still? No, no, oh. I, that would have been worse. Um, but like we had hired or, or rather my, my sister-in-law, my wife's sister had hired a photographer to take photos of the uh, the event because I, I had told her family ahead of time in the whole deal. And um, and I knew that my wife was not going to want photos of her wearing like my oversized uh, <laughs> suit jacket. Sure. And um, and she wanted, you know, the dress and all that. I, I, I could tell that she would have wanted it a certain way when I did the moment, you know, to get down on one knee with her wearing that uh, over her uh, would just not have been right. And so I had to like come up with a way to say, Hey, 
you know, look, let's, let's take a picture. And she was like, no, not right now. And you know what I mean? Like it was not working out. And I had to kind of like trick her into taking that thing off. And then when she turned around, uh, like she didn't see me because I was down on one knee, you know, she was putting the jacket back on the, the chair and it was like this whole thing. Um, and it ended up working out really nice, but like, it's funny, like when you get to the moment, you had it planned out a certain way in your head and you're like unable to, you know what I mean? Like you're unable to communicate it over. And I could just imagine like with the plane thing, she's probably like, Oh, well, you know, no big deal. If we don't sit, you know, if we don't sit together, like we'll, yeah. we're going to the same place. You can only imagine like the, the pivot there that was required uh, on your end. Um, but congratulations again, though. Thank you guys uh, have a date picked out? We're looking at next spring, so we've got plenty of time. That's uh, awesome. I'm actually in the mid. It's so funny, man. Like, I don't know how you were, but so many of my friends, I asked a buddy the other day, I said, you know, we're going to look at some different places starting this week. What is something now looking back in retrospect that you thought mattered that didn't matter at all? And what's something that you wish you would have cared about a little bit more whenever it comes to just wedding in general? And he was like, man, I just, I didn't go to any of the visits. Like I just told her I'll, I'll pick the playlist, whatever. <laughs> and I feel like I'm the other side because we, we love to entertain and we love having people over and, and that type of stuff. So like, we're both going on visits. There was one that I couldn't go on and I was really bummed about it. Like, I want to be a part of that, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the opposite of that, but yeah, we're definitely looking at places right now and starting that whole thing. So very, very nice. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you got this, you got this completely. Um, so, so look, you know, speaking of family and everything and, and growing a family, you and I got connected in a really weird way and, uh, definitely did what I could to bury the lead here, but, uh, I got to share this with the listeners. And, and before I say anything, I want anybody at home listening to understand that we cleared this with the people involved, uh, to make sure that they're okay with us sharing this. But, but basically, uh, if you could just share a little bit about what you knew growing up about, uh, who your grandfather was on your mom's side because uh, I'm, I'm assuming you know uh you didn't know very much yeah and you i mean you've yeah you may know more than i do i i i was i was told probably around i don't even know how old i was i think i was probably junior high or so but i found out that my mom didn't know who her real father was and this was probably around the time that who the man that i thought was my uh grandfather and my grandmother got divorced um and so i guess i guess my parents were like ah you're finding out that type of news why don't we wrap all this up and just put it in a package deal (laughs) they're like like, uh yeah so the guy that was around actually isn't the guy and i was like oh do tell uh (laughs) so yeah for all intents and purposes he he, you know he was your grandfather because he was there like through your childhood and whatnot like that's the guy you knew as grandpa as grandpa or whatever so so i get that um but that had to have been some some news to find out that that wasn't your biological grandfather sure it was and like i was still I, i i guess i was probably a little bit younger i was probably uh fifth sixth grade type probably around then so i i think that i didn't still have a full grasp on everything and so um, then I, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen him since, which is probably, which is probably for the best, you know, uh, just how things all ended up. But yeah, so that's what, that's what I thought all of this time. And so, um, I like, I, I don't know if you want to share with this, but <laughs> I think that my mom is always kind of, uh, you know, I'm not speaking for her, but I, my mom is like an extremely strong person. I was yep. raised like the best, best childhood I could ever ask for. My parents are incredible people uh they've given me anything i 
I could have ever hoped and, and, and made me into the, the man that I am today. But I do think that speaking for my mom, I do think that probably a little piece of her has always been a little bit empty, not knowing because not only was that not her dad and she found that out at some time in her childhood, she didn't know who her real father was uh, based on circumstances. And so uh, I, I do think that a little bit of her was always was always empty from that. Yeah, you know, and uh, from what she shared with me, uh, there was always, you know, the question of, of you know, who or, or how or whatever. Um, but also, you know, like there's simple things like when you go to the doctor and you're giving your medical history, like if you only have a piece of that puzzle, um, that's a difficult thing. You know, what I mean, if you only know so much about your your family's medical history and and uh, and where you come from, what your ethnicity really is, uh, all sorts of different things right? that you might not know if you don't know who uh, one of your parents were. So many people throughout this country go through that when they're adopted and uh, all sorts of different situations, right, where they just don't know. Um, and that's not easy. And so from what I understand, your dad gifted your mom um, a 23andMe kit for Christmas. Uh, 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 hashtag ad. They need to sponsor <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't get any money for 23andMe, <laughs> but I should after this episode uh, for what we're about to share. So, so, you know, she got that for Christmas and, you know, I've always been very interested in, you know, family tree stuff. And when I saw that 23andMe had the health markers, I, I wanted to know a little bit more of that as well. You know, I, I through that app, like I got connected with relatives of mine. Um, uh, my, my grandfather had a brother who uh, went on to have kids and grandkids and the whole deal. And so I have a, a cousin now that I met um, who is a, uh, professor at Penn. He's an Ivy league professor. And I found out that his grandfather and my grandfather grew up as siblings. There's photos of them together wow. that I have now. And i never knew this guy until 23 and me. Right. So I, uh, I get a message <laughs> in January and I assumed that it was like a lot of messages that I get where it's like, Hey, you know, I'm your fourth cousin, um, or your fifth cousin or whatever. We share this particular ancestor, is there any information you could give me about whatever line, you know, the, the, the Smith line, the Jones line, what, you know, like whatever last name. Right. And so I get this message and I'm half paying attention to it, half playing with um, my daughter who uh, is a, a young toddler. And um, what it was, was your mom reached out and said, Hey, I think we're siblings. And um, we, we exchanged a lot of information. What well, we came to find out, was that your grandmother and my father went to college together. And this was before the days of Facebook or Instagram or anything like that. And also way before the days of DNA testing. Um, so my dad was in college and also in the Naval Air Reserve right there in, in Colleen, Texas, and um, got to know your grandmother. And when, when he went off in life, uh, you know, through the Navy and, and then after college and all that kind of stuff, uh, there was really no communication and your grandmother wasn't quite sure exactly who um, who your mom's father was. And so there was really no way to communicate it. And um, and so what ended up happening was uh, your mom and I put the pieces together where they were at that particular time in life and um, the DNA results showing that she was my half sibling. And we, we come to find out that my dad is your biological grandfather, which um, blew my mind. Um, and, and I gotta, I gotta ask, how, how did she break the news to you? You know, 
I always, I think I always kind of thought that like maybe there would be um, at some point that that would like that that would happen. I, I may, maybe not. I don't know. Gotcha. I didn't, I didn't think too much of it either way. I think that she was really at at, at peace with with whatever happened, but didn't want to leave any stones unturned. You know, yeah. here I'm speaking for, but this is just all kind of what I've heard from her. But I mean, I think that actually my dad told me, and uh, so. Of course, the first thing I had to do was look you guys up on social media like we all do. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get that out there that everyone does that. So don't try to say that, oh, no, I didn't look them up or whatever. Yeah, you got to see how how hills have eyes these people are. Um, Just just how backwards are these people that I'm related to? Well, I had to see where I got my handsomeness from, you know. There you go. (laughs) There you go. And now, you know, I I know. But I I looked up the, the best. The funniest part of all this was. Uh, my dad, I think my dad texted my, my little brother and I in a group text. So there's only, there's only two of us. So he texted both of us and told us. And then of course we were like, what's the name? What's the name? And so I looked up and I looked up, like I found, fa- I found a couple of you guys and then, but on Facebook and I was like, ah, I guess I'll give it the old search on Twitter. Like I don't, I love Twitter, but I don't know how many people use Twitter anymore. Right. And your little sister Rosie was live tweeting it. And we, I was, I was sitting there on the couch with uh my now fiance who's my girlfriend at the time and we were reading through her tweets and just cackling laughing like and i i didn't at this point you know it's still all so fresh and this is something that has for the better part of my mom's life been you know like i said like an empty spot in her and so i didn't want to make a joke out of anything (laughs) but the but the lie and i did so i didn't send it to my mom but i was like these live tweets are hilarious like Rosie was just <laughs> cracking me up but because i was thinking i was telling taylor my fiance i was saying you got to think about it like this to us this like to my mom this is a big deal it's it's serious and now you know now we're all like almost friends you know it's it's completely different now but at the time i was like this has been something my mom has battled with for 50 plus years now it's been a big part of her life and who she is to them they're just now finding out like holy shit, we have another sibling. Like it's, it's, it's crazy. So I was like, it's two different sides. And so I, I was like, I don't want to send it to my mom just yet. Like I want her to, you know, process everything and, and all that good yeah. stuff. Of course I was sending it to my little brother and I'm like, dude, this is hilarious. Like these tweets are so funny. Yeah. And I was yeah. Just <laughs> cracking up at that. My, my sister's definitely the, the, the funny one of the four of us. And she, she like, that's her way of coping with anything is to like, kind of like laugh through it and tweet through it. And, um, and so that's exactly what she did when we found out Um, for me, you know, I thought I was the oldest sibling all my life. Right. And then it turns out, you know, I got beat by a bit uh, in that department. Um, But like, I've gotten to know your mom now uh, over the last few months. And I just got to say like, she's the nicest person, the coolest person. And I couldn't be happier uh, at gaining a sibling. And, um, and I'm excited because like a lot of the family has already met, like your mom's already met, uh, my dad and, uh, one of my brothers, my sister, a bunch of folks. Right. And, um, and then I'll be meeting her in a month as well as I think I'm meeting your younger brother. Um, and my brother Simon is going to come out and the whole deal and it'll be kind of cool. Uh, but like, it's just, it's bizarre. I know that it's more bizarre for her because it's a parent, but like, it's bizarre to have family that you, you didn't know about your whole life. And we're not talking like third cousins or anything like that. Um, you know, like close family, like a, like a sister, nephews, and you knew nothing about it. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, by the way, and that could end up great. You know what I mean? 
um, like 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 this did, or it could have ended up like, you know, you you find out Hayden that you're that you're related to like a bunch of like delinquents who you know uh, have drug problems and also you know what I mean like you, you never know who are who are looking for money or or all, all sorts of stuff. Which you know when your mom reached out to me, like the first thing she said was like, look, I'm not looking for anything. I just wanted to know, you know, like uh, who my dad was and and what what his medical history is and uh, what kind of person he was and all sorts of stuff and you know um, it it was shocking uh to say the least but i could not have asked for a better outcome um and uh i i can only imagine anybody listening is is kind of shocked uh after listening to that whole first part of the interview to find out that um biologically at least i'm your uncle um uh is kind of nuts um but it is man uh kind of kind of cool stuff um and i'm glad that we were able to, to connect now let me ask you this when did you start losing your hair Early, man. Early. We're talking, we're talking like eighth or ninth grade. It started, but, but it, it was not full on. Like it was, what it was, was like a, like a bit of a receding hairline on the sides. Um, and, and that was really it. Like no bald spot or anything like that going on. And things didn't really accelerate until, um, maybe like my early twenties. That's when it started like, like the hairline really started receding and, and I started developing a little bit of a bald spot and that kind of deal. And, um, and I couldn't tell, cause I went through like a real turbulent time. I couldn't tell if it was genetics or just stress. Cause I had like this crazy hard life. Um, and, but it didn't matter because in the Marine Corps, uh, you only have a few options and a high and tight on my hairline looks like a Mohawk. So the other option was shave. And that's what I've been doing now for, for the better part of the last, uh, I don't know, like 12 years is, uh, shaving my head, uh, which is by the way, saves me a lot of money on haircuts. So, well, yeah, for sure. And also that you kind of like killed two birds with one stone. Like, did you decide to go into the military because you were losing hair? You're like, well, this is the only place that, it's that is the worst ever joined the military. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, hundred percent. Not the reason I joined, but uh, yeah, I did kill two birds with one stone. It kind of settled that for me because uh, I remember very distinctly, like in boot camp, they don't care. They shave your head. Like everybody gets their head shaved uh, really terribly with patches everywhere. You know what I mean? Like they just, right. they just, it's, it's a machine, but then you go on boot leave after, after, um, after you graduate uh, basic training. You go on like 10 days of leave and then you got to show up to uh, combat training with a fresh haircut. Uniform needs to be spotless, the whole deal. Right. And um, and so I go for my haircut before I, I uh, ship off to, to combat training. And the barber takes like two hours trying to make it look good. And he did. But it took him every every bit of training and skill that he had to make a high and tight look good with my hair. And I looked sharp as heck and I felt great about it went to combat training and after a week they take you for another one of those boot haircuts except this time you're not in boot camp so they don't shave your head and so if you say hi and tight they're going to try to do what they can to give you like a like a fade and again with this hairline it doesn't work and i got back to the first of all i had a lot of uh, comments from my friends there and uh get back to the barracks and i looked at it i took one look at it and i said nope this is all coming off and uh and i've been shaving ever since so you know it is what it is um to be truthful like uh, it, it works for me Whereas like some head types going bald is, is not the greatest option. So it just depends on, on the person, I guess. Yeah. Square head, square head dudes look terrible with, uh, with nothing, with nothing up there. I, I, I asked because, uh, my father is another, uh, fellow bald and yeah. 
I, I'm thinking at this point, I'm 27, about to be 28. I certainly do have the cards stacked against me uh, after finding out <laughs> that I'm a part of your gene pool. And then yeah. my dad, my dad's like probably worse. Like he's the, he's the same. He did a flat top forever, but I think he got tired of that. And so, uh, so yeah, my little brother's losing hair rapidly, uh, which he'll say, I'm not saying anything mean, yeah. but yeah. I'm the only one that still has hair. And I'm like, well, my days are numbered. Yeah, they, they are. You just got to look into some alternative. You know, a lot of people go to, to wearing a hat all the time when they're balding. They, you know, they'll keep the hair, but they'll just wear a hat a lot. And I have friends and, and family that have done that. Um, but, like, honestly and truly, you just got to own it. And and uh, <laughs> um, you, you got to get to the point where you, you really don't care. And also, if you get to the point, like, now if I grew it out, I'd have, like, um, uh, who is it that I know, a celebrity that has had, like, the, the horseshoe. You know what I'm talking about? Like, the Dr. Phil-style horseshoe. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah. like. If, if you get to the point where that's how it's growing out, which is where I'm at now, like you cannot do anything but shave it. Like you cannot allow yourself to be Mr. Horseshoe. And I apologize to any listeners out there that have a horseshoe. Um, but, but you can't do that. <laughs> it's just not a good look. Dude, at guys, that point, you're going to have to shave. Yeah. Horseshoe guy is the worst. He usually, uh, he usually wears like denim shirts and yep. he has reader glasses that he takes everywhere. And yep then he just slowly starts to wear the reader glasses everywhere instead of just taking them with him. And he's always like, he's acting like he's wise beyond his years because he has a horseshoe. But in reality, he's like 45 and I probably know more than him. It's usually that guy. That's, that's the guy. And the problem with becoming that guy, uh, uh, well, one of the many problems with becoming that guy is as you are now getting married next year, um, you know, I'm, I'm married with kids. As you start your journey into becoming a, a dad, uh, like like those commercials on TV where you know they can't stop you from becoming your dad. Yeah. As you start telling dad jokes and wearing New Balances, which I don't do yet, thank God. Um, but you start you start that journey in that direction. The horseshoe will accelerate that tenfold. You will you are are already like full blown case of dad mode um, when you do that. So you want to try to not accelerate that, slow that slow that progression as much as possible. You know. Yeah, no, totally agree. Um, so, so look, uh, we, we broke the big news. We talked a little yee-yee. I want to make sure that we're able to, to plug uh, what you guys got going on right now. Um, so this is shameless plug time. Uh, comes towards the end of every episode. Where can people find uh, yee-yee apparel, um, some of the, the stuff that you guys have done for podcasts and other things? What, what's a, a good way for people to find you? Yeah, our website uh, for all of our gear and different stuff is just yee-yee.com. And then all of our uh, on TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want to follow us, uh, it's Yee Yee Apparel. And then uh, my my Instagram is Hayden underscore Adcock. Uh, pretty easy. So, yep. And and look, guys, uh, I, I say this to every guest, but uh, I, I mean it really strongly here. Don't be a stranger um, and, and know that uh, that I, I'm, I'm proud of everything that you've done out there. Really, really cool stuff. Um, definitely got to get myself some some yee stuff real soon, including some jerky. Um, yeah, I look forward to to continuing to get to know you guys. Um, crazy things that, that can happen with Twenty Three and Me. If you uh, if you're listening and you've donated to a, a sperm bank or or done any sort of questionable activities in college, no, that can come back at you later on in life. Because um, because these DNA tests they uh, they don't lie. They're they're very accurate, as uh, I have found out. So. Yeah, science is literally science. <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out that that's the case, um, which opens up a whole can of worms that we won't get into about uh, all sorts of things, my friend. Um, but but yeah, it's uh, it's been a pleasure, man. This has been fun. 
and uh, I look forward to, to checking out what you guys do going forward. Awesome. Thank you so much. And that'll do it for another episode of the Know It Some podcast. My thanks again to Hayden for being the first guest this season. Welcome to the family, man. Um, Folks, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you leave us a five-star ranking and review. That's the best way to kick off this season of the show. It's going to help us continue to bring you amazing guests each and every week. So make sure that you do that. Five-star ranking and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we could appreciate that review. And then the other thing that I'm going to need you to do is make sure you follow us on social media. We are at Know It Some Pod all across social media. So whatever platform you use the most, make sure that you follow us, like and share our posts with your friends. Let's grow this organically again. Best way to kick off the season, best way to help us. I appreciate all the support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.